Hey everybody, welcome to Grounded Truth, a podcast where we gather some of the world's most influential data scientists, machine learning practitioners, and innovation leaders for conversations on the most relevant topics in AI today. I'm your host, John Singleton, co-founder and head of Success with Watchful, the machine teaching platform for data-centric AI. Try Watchful for free today at www.watchful.io and please like, subscribe, follow us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you can find podcasts today if you enjoy this content. So today, I'm so excited to be joined by my co-founder and Watchful CEO, Shine Mahanti. Say hi, Shine. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. As well as David Stanley. David is our head of engineering at Watchful, managing our development efforts. And prior to Watchful, he was the director of engineering and head of systems and infrastructure at Webflow as well as a seven-year veteran of the United States Army. And on a personal note, I'm so happy to share that David is an absolute glutton for physical punishment. And in the relatively short time I've known him, he has competed in numerous trail races, mountain summits, a rim-to-rim-to-rim run of the Grand Canyon, uh, as well as, and I think most notably for me, the Missouri American Water MR340. And for those of you who don't know, it's the world's longest nonstop river race with no portage, to, to be specific, so you're not getting out and moving the boat. 340 miles from Kansas City to St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, so excited to have you here, David. Uh, thanks. When you when you put it like that, it sounds ridiculous, but I'm really just looking for good stories. So I it absolutely is ridiculous. Let no one tell you otherwise. But that's I think that's a good thing in context here. Uh, so great. I'm just so excited. Uh, today, we're going to have a discussion about engineering with large language models, specifically the concerns, quirks, and potential benefits of productionizing LLM enabled applications. So I think a good place to start is maybe like, how are people using LLMs in their applications today? Yeah, so I, I can probably kick this off. Um, <clears throat> like LLMs as a concept have been around for a while as we've talked about like several times on this podcast, especially. Um, but recently, because of all the kind of uh, hype around them, a lot of new techniques for using them have emerged. Um, some of the key words that people have seen recently are especially like prompt engineering, um, chain of thought reasoning, like there's a whole bunch of things here, like uh, prompt chaining. Uh, essentially, all of this boils down to articulating a prompt to the LLM such that it's able to perform the task that you set out for it reasonably well. Um, so that's kind of like what people are doing right now. Um, I can talk really briefly about some challenges that I've heard, but like it all kind of boils down to if the task is to create a prompt or a set of prompts that perform the task well, um, oftentimes because of like the process of prompt engineering just not being particularly transparent, uh, you end up with something that is super noisy, super brittle, um, works in a lot of cases, hallucinates in others. Um, it's really difficult to get something that is consistent. And as a result, it ends up breaking a lot of the assumptions people might make about embedding something like an LLM into their application, where previously you might take a classically trained supervised machine learning model and plug it into your system. And you know it will always give you, let's say you trained on like five classes, you know it will always give you a response within those five classes. But now with LLMs, because we have this like variability of output, sure, nine times out of 10, it'll give you something within those five classes if you prompt it well. Then one time out of 10, it will hallucinate a sixth new class. And the question is, what do you want to do there? Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of like 
the current state of the environment, I would say. From a, from a, an engineering perspective, building on that as a dependency, it, it really makes you consider the edges a lot more and you invest a lot more time in those edges. Um, I've seen a couple of projects out there that aim to put some restrictions on the uh, invalidators on the output of LLMs and some contingencies. What do I do with this? Do I re-ask or what? Um, until I think there's a standard in place that that most systems adhere to, it's going to be tough to to really build a, in a way that's dependable, maintainable, that you're not always worried about solar flares or gremlins or the LLM hallucinating. Um, it, it does make it a challenge. And so, you know, you've, we've said hallucinations a few times. What's just, you know, let's dial in. What fu is fundamentally different? So as an engineer, what's changed about any other API I would use? I can look at some documentation. I can expect a response. You know, why is embedding a large language, like large language model based capabilities just so different uh, and those concerns so different? Well, I, I think it's it comes down to what are you trying to get out of it? What sort of structured data are you trying to get out of the text response that comes back? And applying that structure to the text is what makes it different there from any other API. Most APIs are going to adhere to a, uh, you know, let's say, open API standard. So you know the shape's always going to be this and the data types are always going to be that. But we have this parsing issue of applying structure to the unstructured thing. That's where we get the weirdness uh, in many cases beyond the hallucinating sixth class, like uh, Cheyenne mentioned. Yeah, I, I I would tack on to that as well. I think like um, because of generative AI becoming so popular, there's like really a new class of implementation that's emerged, which is basically like I have a fixed shape of input and I have um, kind of like an unfixed shape of output. So an example of that is um, now you have lots of features that are emerging where it's like plug in 10 bullet points for an email and like the LM will write the email for you. So in that world, you have a fixed shape of input, um, but you have sort of like a wide range of acceptability in terms of output structure. You know it's going to write an email. Even if it only wrote the email body, that might be good enough. Um, even if it wasn't like the perfect email, you're still going to go and edit it. So it's not a big deal. Um, those types of things are like all fine. But then where it gets really hairy is when you flip the script, which I think like if you're talking about the vast majority of especially like enterprise use cases of AI traditionally, they've been around discriminative tasks. Yeah. So things like classification, information extraction, stuff like that. And then like in that world, you actually have the opposite issue where you actually do have a fixed shape of output you know given any document let's say that you want to classify it into like one of five classes you know the output has to be one of those five you don't yet know what prompt you have to write in order to achieve that so your input is actually variable it's it's unknown at the time and i actually think that class of problem right now is extremely difficult to reason about as it relates to LLMs. Whereas the earlier problem of like, I have a fixed input and unknown output is actually like, you know, a little bit easier to deal with. And then we've used the term hallucination several times. I, I would offer that there's like two classes of hallucination. One is the model got the wrong answer. Like it just, for all intents and purposes, like quote unquote, made a mistake. In reality, it's a little more nuanced than that, but like it got the wrong answer. That's a possibility. 
Uh, option two is it created data where there wasn't data. So an example is it hallucinated a new sixth class, or in the case of information extraction, it extracted text that didn't exist to begin with in the document. Um, so that's another class of hallucination. I would say that like the latter is probably like easy to identify, hard to rectify. The former is hard to identify, also hard to rectify. Um, but dealing with both classes is actually pretty important for like robust implementations. And what are some ways that I can think about dealing with those, those issues? Um, so I'll chime in briefly, but I want to also kind of like pick David's brain on this. Um, so da David alluded to some projects out there that deal with like validation and so on. So um, one of them that immediately comes to mind is like guardrails. Uh, you know, That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, guardrails is really cool. It enforces some degree of structure on the output of these LLMs. Um, it's like, I guess just first principles here. Fundamentally, you can think of an LLM, or like at least from like an integration standpoint, as an API that takes in text and it gives you text, right? That text could be structured in some way, both on the input and the output, but you have to parse it and then put it into an actual data structure before you can actually use it programmatically. So guardrails is really nice because then it'll tell you like, oh yeah, the output of this LLM didn't quite meet our criteria for like implementing it into a data structure. And then it gives you a whole wide range of options of like what you want to do at that point. The easiest is like, okay, throw an error and just like move on. But in that world, if your prompt is hallucinating like 30% of the time, let's say, which is a big number, but it's not outside of the realm of possibilities, uh, all of a sudden 30% of the inference that model is doing is throwaway. You have no recourse. Expensive um, inference. Yeah, expensive inference, like you're, you're paying money for it um, each and every time. And like from a customer, like a user perspective, the experience is now degraded where I might expect to see like a little, like on, on the right side of my application, I might expect like a classification of my document. 30% of the time, it just might not be there or it'll just say error or something like that. And then that's like, that's not a great experience. So what you could do is you could try to re-ask as David had mentioned, uh, send a new prompt uh, and then hope that the answer you get back is better. But like, the reality is that's also not a guarantee. You run into the same problem of like, what if that prompt hallucinates or has its own host of issues? So like, frankly, I would say that right now there aren't that many like ways to get around this. Um, the, the other option that I think is like brand new and something, you know, selfishly we're exploring is prompt ensembling, where you, instead of creating one prompt and then seeing what it returns and then maybe chaining that into another prompt and so on, where like basically you're at the mercy of your weakest link. Um, instead, you can create several smaller prompts or several similar prompts, several variations of a prompt, uh, you know, ask it five different ways. And the idea is that each one of those has the propensity to hallucinate, but by normalizing the outputs of these, of these prompts, by, by learning what's similar and what's different, you can statistically denoise hallucinations out of the responses, and therefore you end up with something that's higher quality. Um, but obviously, this comes with a trade-off, which is instead of running one prompt, you're running five or ten, 
And as a result, you eat some additional cost on your API. There's obviously ways to mitigate that, but um, that's sort of where it is. Anyway, David, did, did I yeah, cover what you were about to say? You, you kind of did. I mean, the um, when you get down to it, most APIs right now, whether it's a REST API or a GraphQL API, they do a good job of turning the user's intent into an output, right? It's very clear what your intent is when you make a request. I want this. And the output is very predictable coming back. You get that. Uh, that can be enforced with a contract, whatnot. <laughs> the problem, I think, one of the problems with LLMs is now we're using English language, uh, which is not the most precise, to try and communicate our intent. So when you say, give me things related to offices or give me names of offices, why those can, are, can be very similar and your intent may be the same. You want to classify a certain thing relating to offices. But the response can be very different. The hallucinations can be different. And so translating that intent from common English language and a prompt into something that is as close to deterministic as possible is really, really challenging. Um, I think a consideration when you're working like that, and that's why I think the prompt ensembling uh, makes so much sense, is when you have a dependency in your product that is inherently not that dependable, uh, you end up being guilty by association. Uh, no user out there is going to use a product and go, well, it's not their fault. It's the LLM's fault on the other side. No, it's your product. Your product should be predictable, performant, consistent, correct, and solve more problems than it creates. And already we violated at least one of those, uh, probably closer to three of those we violated. So um, if you can be more uh, clear in your intent with a prompt, you can be, I think, a little more assured that you're going to get something relevant and usable. Uh, but by being clear in your in your prompt, you're now being a lot more focused, and so you need more ways to kind of uh, catch the edges. Um, it's it's a challenge from an engineering standpoint. It's a challenge from I think a product standpoint. Um, but the benefits are pretty interesting. Yeah, and I think that's where you see the reason why a lot of the earliest applications for gen for LLMs have been strictly in the generative AI space, where the cost of being wrong or a hallucination is overall pretty low. Like in sales copy or marketing copy, you have an expert at the end of the day whose you know ass is quote unquote on the line uh, for the submission of something. Ultimately, these I'm calling them like uh, like generate then edit workflows by experts. Uh, have proliferated and I am guilty of uh, being on myself for things like emails and writing LinkedIn posts and, uh, you know, all that fun and fun stuff. But uh, you're seeing it's the adoption for these discriminative use cases. And I think, Shine, you said it perfectly, like those are the most valuable generally at any given enterprise. And a lot of people are very slow to uptake, obviously, because there's a number of uh, you know, safety, regulatory, compliance type concerns, uh, I think, particularly at the largest companies. Um, but also just people are trying to figure out how to deal with these exact problems. I now have an ultimately flaky API in terms of the shape of what I want to get out of it. How do I deal with it? And we see things on that. I do want to touch a little bit on uh, like the chain of thought tools, uh, tool chains that have developed like uh, Langchain, uh, Dust, um, as well as, you know, tools like watchful that help address this um it's going to be interesting to see how uh these tools continue to develop and the developers are able to actually able or are actually able to wrangle these hallucinations and then on open, open api side open ai side 
uh, how are they able to serve this better and how good can these models actually get? Like, will hallucinations even be an issue in the future? Do we need to worry about this? Are they just going to hit some asymptotic ceiling of this is excellent, better than a human could do, or at least as good? Yeah. Um, and really quickly, you, you mentioned like chain of thought tool chains and, and stuff. Like, I want to I want to separate that from prompt chaining. These are two different techniques, like Langchain, Dust, and so on. These are like uh, prompt chaining type tools. Uh, chain of thought is something that you could apply into those, but it's actually a distinctly separate thing. For sure. Uh, did, wasn't saying they're the same. There's uh, a tools in the toolbox, yeah. uh, ways to address these kind of similar sets of problems. So, uh, you know, maybe a little bit, and David, just talking a little bit about how do we deal with hallucinations? How can we use tools like uh, chain of thought tools, either Dust or Langchain, to think through some of these problems? Well, I think... Um if you try to solve these, the hallucination issue by saying, let me do one thing that cleanses the data, you're going to be wrong. You have to consider the, the examples you get back and the different types of hallucinations. Are you saying, hey, tag this element in this block of text and it just tags something that doesn't belong? Well, that's one way uh, that gives you one avenue to, to clean that response and say, ah, that text actually isn't in there. So there we go. We're missing that. Um, but there's plenty of other things in there, and it, it really just becomes, I think right now, a matter of looking at the edges and looking at the data and, for lack of a better word, just kind of grunting through some of it. Um, yeah, I don't know how else to say it other than it's 80% of it is really easy to do. The last 20 is going to take you forever. Absolutely. And like, do you think this ultimately limits what sort of applications we can use LLMs for? I do. Uh, right now, a lot of the, I think a lot of the use cases right now are, I have one thing, give me one thing back. And I don't see a whole lot of, I have this one thing, now apply it to a whole bunch of things in a batch and give it back. So um, until we can figure out the hallucination issue and then address a batch processing uh, question, I don't think we're going to see... Um, some applications that I think would be very exciting. So I'm an engineer. I want to embed some LLM capabilities for a discriminative purpose. Uh, I know that, you know, I've read and I've watched this, I've listened to this podcast and I've watched videos and I understand, understand that LLMs hallucinate. What are some kind of concrete examples of, uh, ways to handle this? How can I think as an engineer, what, what do I need to do? What process do I need to build uh, to handle these hallucinations in a, you know, an effective way? Yeah. Um, so I, as I mentioned before, like uh, you can use something like guardrails to validate the output and like decide what you want to do with it. Let, let, let's talk like more holistically about what it actually means to embed LM capabilities into an application at like a concrete level. Um, I would say that you got a couple options. One is you could use an LLM API directly, right? So you can just like use the OpenAI API, ship it a prompt, get back a response, do your stuff. That's all well and good. Oftentimes when you need to do something more complex or um, it needs a little bit more of a robust process behind it, you might turn to prompt chaining where you take a prompt, you shove it into an LLM, you get a response, you take that response and embed it as part of another prompt to another LLM or the same LLM, you get another response and so on and so forth. Um, so 
In that world, you probably don't want to have to stitch that together yourself via just like the OpenAI API, uh, as I'm sure David can probably talk at length about like just implementing what seems to be relatively trivial features like retry logic and caching between prompt steps and so on uh, is like a fair amount of engineering overhead, which you probably don't want to have to keep doing from scratch. So in that world, you would then start turning to some of the tools that exist like Langchain and Dust, where Dust is a little bit more out of the box, which is kind of cool. Um, they'll just do a lot of this stuff for you. Um, Langchain is nice in the sense that like everything you do, you can basically own in a single Python environment, um, which makes things really easy to build on. Um, but essentially what those tools allow you to do is like do that sort of like prompt chaining motion while caching each intermediary, intermediary step, uh, handling some of the retry logic for you, maybe even offering something in the realm of like a guardrails type implementation to help validate outputs and make sure they're of the right shape. But anyway, you, you build this like pipeline essentially where fundamentally you have an input, you get an output. And then you have to decide what you want to do with that output. So now as like a software engineer, let's say whose job it is to like implement this LLM uh, or this LLM capability, I know how to use an API, no problem. So either I'm using OpenAI API directly or some other team has stood up this pipeline and now I'm a consumer of that API. Uh, so I give it some input, I get an output. And now the question is, how do I reason about that output? To, to David's point earlier, it's like typically as an engineer, you expect that an API gives you some sort of spec, some sort of like set of guarantees where you know what the shape of output will be. And therefore you don't have to write like 5,000 lines of defensive code for one line of like API integration. Like, but unfortunately in today's world, oftentimes you actually do have to write a lot of that code because again, it's possible that the pipeline spits out stuff that is just like not useful to you or might even be like almost adversarial in nature. Uh, you might catch it earlier upstream with something like guardrails, but again, that's like not always a guarantee because these LLMs can hallucinate in like new and inventive ways oftentimes. Uh, so like even if it spits something out that looks right, it might just be fundamentally flawed in some way. Um, and you won't actually know until you actually integrate it into the product, you have customers use it and it's like, oh, it's failing in this like crazy way specifically. And then as an engineer, oftentimes it comes down to you to just like guard against that at the API level. But that doesn't make any sense because now like as an engineer, I'm having to sit there and write like a huge amount of code just to like make sure that my API does what it says it should do. Uh, so anyway, this is a long way of saying current tools out there will let you validate, invalidate, they'll let you chain. Um, you use the term chain of thought. I wanna like quickly like poke at that. Um, chain of thought is simply just like show your work type of stuff to an LLM. Um, and like in theory, it is just one, like another one of those interesting techniques to maybe improve prompt quality uh, or at least like output quality from a prompt. Um, it's also used really heavily in agents, which we can talk about if, you know, if it arises, but uh, it, it's, it's an interesting concept and you can embed chain of thought reasoning into a prompt chain if you'd like, or even an individual prompt, it's not a big deal. Um, 
but all of that, all of these are just like optimization strategies for getting your prompt to perform the way you want it to. And kind of like the point is that no matter how good your prompt is, fundamentally, the like architecture of an LLM, the way an LLM works, allows it to hallucinate regardless of what the prompt is. So even if you spend like days, weeks, months engineering a prompt or a chain of prompts to do basically what you say it should do, there will always be a chance, no matter how small, that it will hallucinate. And I would also go so far as to say that improving a prompt may not actually like in material ways reduce the like frequency of hallucinations, at least not a direct correlation there. Um, so you, you might just be stuck. You can use you can use the same prompt and tw get two different answers twice. Like yeah, three different times, three times. Yeah, like, just, the just prompts, prompt static static natures of prompts only matter so much. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like there are obviously all these like various hyperparameters that you can tune about LLMs. Like you, you can you can say like I want temperature to be zero. And in theory, if you give the same prompt like several times, you'll get the same an answer. But like then it's also a question of like did they update the LLM between your last run and now? Um, so in that in that world, you'd expect a different answer. Uh, so it, like long story short, there are all these like moving parts and like the fundamental nature of APIs have now been broken. Typically an engineer knows if I put in an input, I will get an output of this shape in this space. And that is like no longer the case. So now the question is, where do we go from here? So I, if I could for a second, a, a very practical from uh, an engineering design pattern pattern standpoint of how you can work with this is exactly what you mentioned earlier, Cheyenne. It's a pipeline pattern, right? A pipeline is a series of composable stages whose inputs and outputs directly map to the next stage in the line. And so you can create a pipeline with these stages, and then you can create, use that pipeline as a stage in another pipeline. And um, kind of like a middleware stack where you kind of come in one way, but you don't turn around and go back out the same way. You just go through one way. Um, so as an engineer, if I'm working to integrate uh, with an LLM, I'm going to look to, personally, I'm going to look to this pattern and say, okay, step one, I have to take the prompt. Do I need to validate the prompt on my side before I send it? Great. The next stage, send it to the LLM and get the response back. The next stage, and this is where you start um, considering the open-close principle. And you say, we know we're going to run into these issues. We don't know all of them, but we know that as they come up, we're going to write a new validator to fix that or guard against it or transform the data for it. Then you start stacking your stages on after that. Correct the, the hallucination where this is just plain not in the sample. Okay, there's a stage for that. It's small, it's discrete, it's testable. And you keep stacking these on. And as the new occurrences happen, you can keep stacking these things at the end of the pipeline. But at the end of the day, you have to remember that this is a product for people to use. And so you have to realize that, hey, at any point, I need to be able to fail gracefully and somehow say, this didn't work and let the user know this didn't work and why. Um, but if you're going to build and you're going to depend on an LLM, something like that is a great way to get started, uh, to maintain this thing over time and do it in a way that is still testable. It's still atomic. It's still easy to think about um, and extendable. So so maybe a, maybe a hot take here uh, or a hot take question <laughs> for both you guys. Do you think a lot of this engineering effort or where do you see is this a whole lot to do about nothing in the sense of uh, maybe it's like a timing issue? We're still seven, eight months in. Do we see that these some of these core issues will be fixed by an, 
the API itself. OpenAI just gets better. Sam Altman recently was just talking about how they're not necessarily working on GPT-678 in terms of more parameters, more tokens, uh, bigger and larger models, uh, which informs me they're focusing more on the trust, safety, and infrastructure and delivery side, cost of inference, uh, and potentially improving the quality of response from API. Uh, how much, like, how do I weigh how much effort I'm, you know, I'm an engineer, engineering manager at a company that's looking to build out uh, an LLM enabled feature in, in our application. Uh, what is the value of potentially waiting? Is this going to get fixed by OpenAI is, or insert Anthropic or any of the other major uh, foundation models here? Um, or is, are these concerns something that I'm going to have to continuously worry about and recognize this is a fundamentally new design pattern in software today? So I, my hot take is this. I think the two pieces that need to be resolved for LLMs to really gain traction in products and in organizations are the batch processing question. Am I always going to send one thing at a time? Uh, so let's make that performant. And number two, enforcing some sort of templatized uh, rule-based output format. I think open source world is going to solve the latter. Yeah. Uh, we've already, we're already seeing some things happen there. And as soon as a standard comes up that everybody agrees to eventually say, okay, we'll do this. Um, I think you're going to see a little bit of friction or hesitancy to, uh, to really embrace those for more than just uh, the generative purposes. Um, I, I don't know how long it's going to take, but um, I think the business world is going gonna, is gonna to push people somewhere uh, to pick the, both those up as opportunities. And we're already seeing the latter happen with guardrails, like I said. So I, I would generally agree. Um, the thing I would tack on is, uh, again, I, I know nothing about OpenAI's actual strategy, but I would imagine that the problem that they're aiming to solve as quickly as possible is like the fundamental AI alignment problem. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, figuring out what the next like model architecture needs to be to actually get closer to AGI. Like that's, that's core to their mission. Um, I, from what I can see, the open source community is like ravenous and is constantly building new stuff, which is awesome. So I think if I read OpenAI, I would just let the community figure out how to like maximize usability of the things that we put out. And OpenAI focuses on the things that only they can do, or only Anthropic can do, or only Cohere can do, which is like focus on like the model fundamentals themselves. Um, so I, like. From my perspective, I, I think that makes sense. Um, now, as far as like where this is going, right? Like, is this a point in time thing? The answer is like, no, this is a model architecture issue. Uh, and again, there's like two classes of like hallucinations specifically, but many classes of problems that have emerged. So the, again, just to repeat, the two classes of hallucinations are the model gets the wrong answer, or two, the model like makes up information that isn't already there or isn't otherwise prompted for. So creates a brand new class, creates data that is extracted that wasn't there already, something to that extent. Um, so like we can throw a whole bunch of just like validation logic at it. Like it's possible that OpenAI might want to integrate with like a, um, you know, whatever the, the whatever the community says is the norm for like templating languages and so on. Um, that will solve shape of output problems. 
but it won't necessarily solve the fundamental hallucination issues that we're talking the quality about. issues. You yeah, can't the quality, the quality right. issues with a template. Right. And, and then the question is, okay, sure, you can guarantee a shape of output, but are you comfortable with throwing away that output? Are you comfortable with just not having an answer? Or again, having to like go through the same process of reprompting and getting a different answer and like, maybe it's better, but like, you just know it's different. You don't necessarily know if it's better. Um, so I think in that world, like again, prompt ensembling is a very interesting potential solution where you can approximate quality because you're seeing more information. You're not just relying on one source of input. You're seeing it spread across several. And as a result, you can statistically infer what is likely the correct answer um, through a wide variety of means. Uh, so I, I think like that type of approach makes sense. And obviously like that approach has emerged from the community. So like, yeah, this, this will get better over time, but it's not like OpenAI is gonna do some magic in the model and suddenly all this stuff is gonna be fixed. It's the community over time is going to align to a set of uh, standards, a set of techniques, where depending on your use case, you might want to choose one or the other or both. Um, and it's up to you to sort of like stitch together the right approach. And I think like these will eventually all get consolidated into um, like platforms that do specific things. And we're already starting to see that. Like um, there are prompt chaining platforms that have emerged, which are distinctly separate to the tools and libraries that exist for data validation as it relates to outputs of LLMs. These two things are complementary but are often not offered at exactly the same time because the expectation is that you're going to stitch these things together depending on what your use case is. So I think like stuff like prompt ensembling is going to work exactly the same way where you will have components that will specifically do stuff like prompt ensembling. And you could ensemble chains if you want. You could still use a lang chain or a dust or whatever to create the chains that you care about, have several of them and then denoise those outputs by way of like ensembling. That's perfectly reasonable. Um, but I, I suspect that we're not gonna get like an all-in-one platform. And even if we did, it wouldn't be preferable because that's just not how this market works. I mean, when you change your perspective to say that a collection of pretty good responses is better than you know uh, one response that's either right or wrong, um, I think you get to a better spot in the end. And that should be a heuristic if you're looking to, to use an LLM, should I use it? If you're trying to geocode an address, there's one right answer. And you're not gonna go to an LLM for that. You're gonna go to yeah. something purpose built for that. Um, but if you're trying to ask it a question that could be ambiguous or rephrased uh, to be slightly different, well, an LLM might be right for you, but don't try and get 100% accuracy. Get it pretty good and then do it a lot of times. And over time, you'll get a statistically significant response that you can uh, that you can then depend on. Yeah, yeah. I I think I'll add add my two cents here, and then we can wrap up. But I think ult like defining those two different shapes of hallucinations hallucinations are important. Like new data, like new like just invent something, like add some new characters or add some new lines, or it might say something slightly different. Uh, but it contains overall the same information, it's a distinctly different problem than the quality one. And that's the hard one. The quality hallucinations are something that looks and smells and feels right and fits your JSON format that you've provided, you know, a few, you know, few shot examples to, uh, but requires, and again, the expectation of what an LLM can do is, you know, really we're ultimately dealing with uh, knowledge work, right? 
something that a human would otherwise be doing in, in making a determination of quality. And so now we are just finally uh, hitting this point where we have to, to build and deal with the same sets of problems that we effectively deal with management and human and uh, the concept of building a, a business or a corporation and layers of management and dealing with human workers who make mistakes with the best of intentions and also the worst of intentions is now we're having to translate those things into code either we uh, and dealing with that. So it's, I don't feel or from a design pattern standpoint, the quality issue is never really going to go away, uh, at least with current model architecture. Maybe there's a paper published today that changes all of that. But at least, you know, if we're if we're all in on transformers and that's where that's what's going to be uh, applied, dealing with quality and the tools around it will never like will never go away. Uh, I think that the, the, the like you said, the uh, ecosystem, the community will solve the latter problem. How do we best template and how do we get formatting? And uh, it's a prime prime case for open source and what does the community adopt? But quality fundamentally is you know, on an individual problem and just knowledge level and even the best humans with the best of intentions are going to make similar mistakes, quite frankly. And so uh, now it's just how do we deal with this in code, uh, either by uh, developing tools to engage the humans or, you know, in the ideal world, uh, we have AGI and it just does it itself, but I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, you know, in the, uh, in the SRE infrastructure world, there's the concept of an error budget, right? You know, you can have this many errors per million requests or whatever, and it's nothing to get too worked up about. It's when that error rate changes that you have to worry. Um, so quality is always going to be an issue in that world and in the LLM world. And you're going to have to understand what's your error budget for the LLM response and be able to monitor and understand that so that you can know, oh, this thing's going off the rails now. We went from 3% hallucination to 30%. Let's go look at it. Um, that's going to be a tricky thing to come up with because so much of it is contextual. Uh, so much of it is not based off a, a status code or something that's black and white. Um, but that idea, we have an error budget uh, we need to stick with. I think it's going to be very important as people integrate these into real products. I think we can sum that up with uh, use the right tool for the job. Don't throw this. Uh, don't throw the LLM at something that you absolutely, unless you absolutely need it. And the LLL hammer, LLM hammer is uh, very real. And there are a lot of people looking for nails. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I think that our listeners can walk away with at least some uh, advice and some uh, kind of tips about how we're at least how they can think about implementing LLM capabilities into their own applications. Uh, as always, my name is John Singleton. I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining us at Grounded Truth. Uh, you can try Watchful today for free at www.watchful.io. And if you enjoyed this podcast or any of our others, again, please like, subscribe, or follow us at Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you can find podcasts today. With that, uh, thanks so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.